You're listening to the School of Reinvention podcast. I'm your host, Roger Osorio. I'm the author of The Journey to Reinvention, How to Build a Life Aligned with Your Values, Passion, and Purpose. I'm also the founder of The School of Reinvention, a community-based coaching platform where we help people define success on their terms and reinvent themselves to make it happen. I believe that as the years pass, our values, passions, and purpose evolve, and we must reinvent ourselves in order to stay aligned with who we really are and what matters to us. This podcast is all about exploring different journeys to reinvention so that you can learn the strategies for how to successfully launch your next reinvention. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the School of Reinvention podcast. I am your host, Roger Osorio. I am a reinvention coach and also the author of The Journey to Reinvention, How to Build a Life Aligned with Your Values, Passion, and Purpose. I'm incredibly excited to be here with Clarissa Burt, who is an internationally acclaimed, award-winning media personality, producer, director, writer, author, public speaker, and former supermodel and winner of The Celebrity Survivor Show. With hundreds of television and film credits to her name, this who's who of international and American women brings over 35 years of entertainment industry experience in both international and American markets. Clarissa is the founder and CEO of In the Limelight Media, a multimedia platform consisting of TV video, a podcast, and a digital magazine. Her shows can be seen on Roku, Amazon Fire, Apple TV, etc., and her podcast is heard on over 15 different distribution platforms. Her international best-selling book entitled The Self-Esteem Regime was published by Roman and Littlefield and launched in the fall of 2021. Clarissa has quite the journey to reinvention, and after 35 years of reinventing herself multiple times, she's still out there creating massive value and reinventing herself. Clarissa, thank you so much for taking some time to share your experience, share your journey, and of course, share your insights and strategies for our audience who are embarking or thinking about embarking on their own journey to reinvention. Absolutely. And let me just remind you, because we had a a nice chat a couple of weeks ago, and that is that chapter six in my book is reinvent. So I am in the in the right place and on the right podcast. Absolutely. Absolutely. So let's get started. We've got a few topics we're going to talk about today to help people, one, like learn from your stories and learn from your journey and how you've done it. And so let's kick off by tell us about that journey. I mean, I just rattled off a whole bunch of things, but I know you can say it way better than I can. So tell us. Yeah, so yeah, exactly. So tell us about the journey, because when we had our prep call, you shared a wild ride of a journey, but also full of so many powerful lessons that have impacted you and, of course, driven you to the point where you are today. People say, oh my God, Clarissa, you've done so much. And I go, yeah, well, I've been around the block quite a few times. So <laughs> I've been here a while, everybody. I, people say, don't think that it happens overnight because it really doesn't. I was really lucky to kind of understand right off, you know, as an earl, early as a child, you know, that I absolutely love the stage and a microphone. And, you know, the only thing we had back in my day, apart from, you know, horses and buggies was um, was TV. And, and I would watch, you know, I would watch the movies, you know, these grand movies that were coming out, you know, uh, on TV from the 40s and the 50s. And I fell immediately in love with Ava Gardner and immediately in love with with uh, Rita Hayworth. And they were kind of the women I looked up to because they were just so drop dead beautiful. And they were dancing in these beautiful ball gowns across stages. And I wanted to be them. Well, I wound up instead being Mary Poppins in the kindergarten play, but it was a start. It was a start. And when I sang supercalifragilisticexpialidocious and I got a standing ovation at five years old, I was hooked and I knew that that was going to be my life in some way, shape or form. Fast forward until I was 31. 
before I saw really a stage again, but I started modeling and that, you know, that was real in Italy. And so that was a catalyst for me. I lived in Italy for 30 years. So I was in New Jersey at the time. I went into New York City because I wanted the bright lights of the big city. I, I was a secretary, yada, yada, you know, just sort of tried to be a model, made, made the, you know, made the cut. And then I was sent to Europe. So started out in Paris. That didn't work well. I mean, it just didn't work well. I was homesick. I wasn't ready. You know, I really wasn't loving Paris. Don't come for me. I just wasn't in, I wasn't in the right mindset. So I went back home and I went back home and I, I became, I was in New York city and I became a, I went to a temporary agency, a temporary secretarial agency and blow and behold, Roger, and this is a God's honest truth. I was set up with Revlon in New York city. Wow. So now I wanted to be a model and I was in Europe and I had it all set up and I, and I just needed to be a little bit more tenacious and not so depressed because I kind of got there and got a little depressed. And when I came home and they sent me up to Revlon on the 50th floor and I was in corporate and there were pictures all over the walls of supermodels. I'll tell you, I don't think I ever kicked myself in the butt harder than I did when I got that gig. And that was my first sign, right? I was like, oh yeah, here's your sign. So I made up enough money to be able to go back. I was still signed with Wilhelmina in the city. And I, I made up enough, I made enough money to, to go back to Europe. And, you know, it was like a thousand, eleven hundred dollars round trip back in those days. But that was a lot of money for me, you know. So anyway, made some money as a temporary secretary at Revlon. And the next thing you know, within the next year. I was in Europe, I had an agency and I was shooting for Revlon wow. as a model. So yeah, you talk about reinvent and how, you know, I mean, so I, I had that first chance in Paris, blew it, came home and had a real eye opener going, you could be on these walls. You know, you could be doing this. Why did you do, you know, why did you self-sabotage? Created the second opportunity to go back and worked my butt off. And, and, and the rest is history. As far as my modeling career is concerned, it was really, it was a, a phenomenal, phenomenal career. It was, I came home with like 250 covers, you know, Harper's Bazaar, Vogue, different, different covers. And then I was also the face, of, face for a beauty campaign for 10 years worldwide. So I was really glad at a certain point, you know, that I, I forged through. And then that of course was next thing was I became an actress not right away because I never thought I could. I never thought I could. I never thought I could. So I lived in two years of fear of I never thought I could until that happened. And my crowning moment there was Zaida, then the mean queen in the never ending story part two as a Warner Brothers worldwide release. And then I did about 18 other movies when I was living in Italy. And that went really well. So when, you know, and then you get to a point where you're kind of like, okay, I've been there, done that. What's next? I kept pushing myself always to what's next, reinvent. So I said, you know, I really want to now, I want to work on television. Boom. You know, I, I got myself up there and out there and I was modeling. And then from there I was called to, and they said to me, do you know how to, what do you know how to do? Do you know how to, uh, do you know how to sing? Do you know how to dance? Well, I was dancing at the discos pretty much like anybody else back in those days. And the only singing I really was doing was, uh, you know, in the shower. So um, I went in and I kind of, you know, I, I, I did the thing. I had to do, you know, the audition in front of the producers and they were like, done, sold. And so that started my television journey mm -hmm. in Italy. Not only now am I doing live television, but I'm doing it in another language. So learning the language at the same time. 
So that was really, really exciting. And then from there, Roger, I decided, you know, that when I was done with that, because everything kind of, it, it loses its luster after a while and you want to continue to forge forward. Yep. And that's when I then, that's when I then um, started to produce television. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, I, I love it. There's, there's some things there, there's so much actually to unpack, but there are a couple of things that stood out for me. One is when it came to the modeling, you you know, you, you found another way in. And I think that's really important for listeners because a lot of times we think like, Hey, but I knocked on the front door of that opportunity and no one answered, no one wanted it. No one wanted me to come in or whatever. Yes. But that's not the only door to, uh, to that opportunity. There are other ways in and you put yourself in the right place. Business that I was in, which is modeling and acting and all of that. It's rife with rejection rife with it's it's so different than corporate it's just like a whole different world rife with rejection but remembering that rejection is really redirection so to your point yep absolutely absolutely and you know you were surrounded by the right people you were in the right place to be able to create another way in even mm-hmm. with all that rejection that does exist in that world so i think that is something really important for people to walk away with from that particular story yes. but you know one of the things that we talked a little bit about as well as even before that waitressing, you mentioned babysitting when we were on our prep call. I mean, it's like, so it doesn't matter really where you start. It has nothing to do with where you'll end up. And that's what I get from your story. From the time I was 10 and it was 25 cents an hour, just mm-hmm. to let you know how old I am. And I remember when I asked for like a dime's raise, you know, and I was like, oh, you know, will I still be able to, will they give me another, you know, dime? I think I went up to 50 cents and then 75 cents. I think by the time I quit, I was probably at like a dollar an hour or something. Mm-hmm. But this is back in the 70s. And I was, you know, I had a ball doing that. And then from there, what did I do? Oh, waitressing. So, yeah. you know, when I was 16, I was able, I was in New Jersey at the time and I was able to start, you know, doing that. And then I finished high school and then I moved into the city, into New York. And that's where all the modeling things started up. So, yeah. Yeah, it was great because, you know, you just keep moving forward. And every once in a while you're going to trip. And every once in a while you might even fall. But I tripped up that time in Paris when coming back. But I just, you know, I was not in the mindset. I wasn't ready yet. I still had a little baby fat. I was homesick. I was so lonely because I didn't know French. I didn't know anyone. It's a tough go. I mean, you're, you know, you're out there in the world. And people go, wow, it's so great. I'm going to Paris. And then you finally get there and you go, oh, whoa, I'm not in Kansas anymore. And so anyway, yeah, I, I went back. I went back a couple of years later. I started back out in, in Italy that time. And then it all worked out beautifully. Now, you also mentioned that, you know, so you went from actress to then uh, television personality and then producing and that kind of work. Yes. But then you shared something really interesting when we had our prep call that really stood out for me. And I, and I, and I want to explore this on the call uh, in this moment or in this segment is you took you, you, you kind of put it this way. You took off your 50s. And that's literally how I captured it. You're like, and I took off my 50s. I want to hear more about that because I feel like this is something we need to explore. Like, what's this break you took and, and what happened during this time off, yeah. this time away? So as I, you know, as I had had all of this great success and, and, you know, in Italy, um, I was rather well known because I was working in television quite a lot. So, you know, Italy's not that big of a country and they're, you know, they're lovely and quite forgiving people. So they, you know, I had a really good gig working on television, a lot of TV stuff. But when I, you know, got to a certain point, it was like, you know what, I've been here for almost 28, 30 years. I really want to go home. I want to go back to the States. Thank you, everybody. Love you so much. I'll be back but I really want to move forward. And I did. And when I got here, I I moved to Cave Creek, Arizona, 
which is North Scottsdale. People say, why'd you go there? Well, my entire family moved here from the East Coast, and I really wanted to be a part of the family again. Mom, uncle, you know, cousins, grandmother, sister, like they were all here. They had all moved here in the interim. So I wanted to be a part of the family. And so that's why I came here, but I didn't know anybody. Nobody knew me and I don't live to be famous. That's not the deal. It's just like, I, I didn't know anybody. I had to start all over again from, you know, kind of like super famous to don't know anybody. And that was really, it was a bit of a tough go for a while. So when I say take off my, all, my entire fifties, it was only because I had to completely regroup, figure out who I was in this new context. I definitely wasn't going to be able to walk into any television station here and have anybody know who I was. Uh, you know, there was the whole thing about learning internet, all the new, so you know, this is like, we're talking back in 15, 16 years ago. The internet was really still exploding. All of the new software was coming out. Social was just getting started. There was such a huge learning curve. That's what I did for 10 years. And then, of course, I started with networking events. And people would say, oh, hi, who are you? What do you do? I, I didn't have an answer. Yeah. I could tell you what I've done, but I'm not going to do that because it would sound like I was bragging. Mm -hmm. You know, my life was just so amazing in Italy that if I were to say, well, you know, I was on TV and I was famous and I was... You know that it, okay, great, but I it, the words would never come out of my mouth, mm -hmm. and I've been you know people are on me all the time about you got to tell people who you are, you got to tell people what you do. No, no, I don't. No, no, I don't. Mm -hmm. People want to know who you are now, what you're doing now, how you can help them, how you can serve them, and 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 you know what you're all about. And so I took that a lot of that time off again to learn, to reinvent and to move forward. It was great being, you know, famous, big deal. I, I, I always said as a kid, I wanted to be rich and famous. The first two, check, check. Okay, great. But what am I, like, who am I in my core? Like, really, what, am, what legacy am I leaving? And that's what I started to work on. And this is where then, you know, after you took some time off, you then started your business in the limelight uh, media. Tell us a little yep. bit about, you know, just bringing that to life. Well, I jokingly say a little tongue in cheek, I say Oprah, Martha, Clarissa, you know, Oprah, you know, with the multimedia platform, Martha Stewart, same thing. And I've always wanted to have a multimedia platform. So yeah. television, podcast, digital magazine, I pulled that all together right before COVID hit, you know, so I no sooner turned 60, boom, starting a new company and, and things are going really well. And I love what I do. Boom, COVID. Yeah. So navigating all of that. And in the mm -hmm. meantime, I was on stage and I had done a, a, a talk and Gary Krebs, who, who co-wrote the book with me, you know, he said, I got to write your book. And I went, Gary, I'd love to, but yeah, no, we're going to write your book. I said, okay. He says, what do you want to write about? I said, self-esteem, absolutely self-esteem. And I, and when I said it, I think it was kind of a head scratcher. It was like, huh? People looked at me, you know, they look at me and they go, well, you self-esteem, what do you mean? <laughs> you know, well, I'm here to tell you self-esteem doesn't discriminate. Number one. We all have our stuff, but you know, it was a perfect, it was really perfect timing, Roger, in the sense that no better time than now after three years worth of the hell that we just went through of loss, loss of friends, loss of family, loss of hope, loss of motivation, loss of inspiration, loss of money, loss of jobs, loss of individual, like loss, just go, go down the loss mm -hmm. path and people are feeling really destabilized, you know, and depressed, you know, I'm getting a, a U.S. Surgeon General last week came out. Uh, we've got the CDC data and statistics coming out and, and the Dub Self-Esteem Project just came out also with some hashtags on social about, you know, the crisis that we're in with our youth. And that is, you know, whether it's depression, anxiety, 
or both, or, you know, ideation of suicide or committing suicide. So we really have to, and the numbers are alarming, alarming. So honestly, there has been no bigger, better, greater time than for my book to be on the shelves in Barnes and Noble, another crowning moment. And right next to Tabitha Brown, Brene Brown, who's, you know, an Oprah inner circle, Deepak Chopra and Dr. Joe Dispenza right on the same shelf. I feel so really, truly lucky and blessed to be on the shelves with the titans of the personal development industry. And, you know, I'm starting now with retreats and events so that we can do greater work. As of tonight, actually, I'm going to be starting on live. So I'm going live on all social media platforms from TikTok to Instagram to, you know, YouTube, Twitter, LinkedIn, plus Facebook. We're going straight out because this has now become for me, it's like a PSA. It's a public service announcement. I don't even want you to, you know, I don't want to wait for you to even buy the book. I just got to get out there and do whatever I can to be helping humanity and as, mm-hmm. as a whole. And whoever's there to listen, whoever's supposed to be there is going to be there. Yeah. Well, you know, let's, let's talk about a couple of strategies that came up when we were talking about your journey. There were so many reinventions, so many distinct and different activities that you engaged in. And one of the things that, for instance, came up with, you, you shared with me a few of your strategies, like things like vision boards, intentions. You talked about being super clear about what you want. Can you talk a little bit more about some of those things and, and how you applied them and maybe even like teach us a mini lesson for how we can apply yeah. them on our own journey to reinvention? You know, it's a particular activating system. And so if you, you know, you keep talking about wanting to have a red sports car, boom, guess what you're going to be seeing all over the place? Red sports cars, right? It's just kind of the way that, you know, that kind of works. So the reticular activating system is one of those kind of things that we, you know, we can kind of call in, if you will, what it is that we're looking for. And on vision boards are really great for that. Uh, there are virtual vision boards that you can get. There's a, something I love called mindmovies.com. I use that as a, as a virtual vision board, but you can do them with, you know, paper as well magazines and just create cork boards and you're good to go. I have two of them in, in the back in the back study and a studio actually. One of them is a spiritual vision board and the other one is the physical vision board. I remember when I first put up Oprah, I wanted to be on Oprah years ago. Well I wasn't on Oprah, but I was on Oprah and Friends Radio. And it happened serendipitously. I wanted to be in Barnes and Noble, Barnes and Noble, Barnes and Noble, Barnes and Noble. Well, now I am. But back in the day, it it manifested through my being a beauty editor for editor for one of the magazines that was in uh, Barnes and Noble. So I, I I I really want to underline and highlight how important it is to have vision boards because they are they are intentions that you have set that you continue to look at every day. Make sure you put them where you can see them. Right. And, and if there, if you have them on, on the computer, make sure to go back to them at least once a day so that you are constantly keeping present what it is, you know, it, that you are wanting to manifest in your life. And the magic that is the unit, what I call the universe, others might call it divine source or, or however you want to call it is really spectacular. It's amazing how that all works. So, you know, calling it in, setting the intention and, and, and staying very focused on that are, I think some of the, you know, the greatest tools that we're not only do we talk about in the book, but that I can offer up here in this, in, in this podcast is you stay really, really clear, yep. very focused about what it is you want. And these also have helped me along the way. Um, there are a couple of things on there that haven't happened yet, yeah. but uh, it's okay. You know, they're, it, yeah. it's, they're still there and I still, I still have the intention. So yeah. 
I have intentions of where I want to go now. I want to be, you know, speaking on stages, colleges, universities. I want to get back up to Harvard. I want, I'd like to be able to get to, you know, really like this, a lot of women's organizations. Mm-hmm. I want to get to the Girl Scouts or, you know, I know exactly now where my, my message. And again, I call my book, it's a, it's a manual, a mission and a movement. And it's more of a resource than mm-hmm. it is a read. Yeah. So I really think that, you know, being able to be real super mindful also about the words that you use, you know, what, you, what are you telling your subconscious? Be careful because it will believe you. So if you're telling yourself how horrible you are all day long, well, you're probably not, you know, mm-hmm. going to have such a good day. So, you know, we've got to really like straighten all that out. Just get it on the, you know, the right trajectory and get you on the proper path of learning how to love yourself. And it's, it's a pretty cool place to be when you do. Yeah. Now, I, you know, I love what you shared about vision boards. It's one of those things that I think sometimes, like, I think we can all say at some, on some level, we, we know, oh yeah, we know vision boards. We've heard people talk about vision boards, but then there's this other level of understanding of vision boards. And like, I think it's more the belief that no, this really does work. And, yeah. you know, I, and I was just thinking about my, my wife's vision board, which is like right above her desk, uh, her, uh, when she works at home. So our desk here that she has, and yeah. she, I think it was like maybe six months ago, she was looking at it and she was like, oh, I need to update it. There's three yes. things. She's like, there's three things I have. I need to take those down because check, 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 they're already there. And it's just like what? one of those things. And so she replaced, I think of the three that came down, I think two went up and I noticed, I'm like, oh, what's that? She goes, well, new visions. I have some new ones to add yeah. to the board. Right. Well, hopefully you weren't one of them, Roger. Yeah. I, uh, well, yeah, I know. It's like, I'm done. It's like, it's over with that one. Uh, but, Just but, but yeah, they're but, powerful but things. It is. Powerful. It, it really is. Yeah. And, and I love what you said about, you know, just that insane focus, you know, just like when you're thinking about like red sports car, all, all of a sudden, I think that's the yeah. example we can most like resonate with. I mean, when yeah. anytime you've bought a car, now you see that car everywhere and you're like, what the heck? Well, yeah, because you just yeah. bought that car and now that's it's right. on top of your mind. Imagine if your goals were top of your yeah, and mind. Dream big. And dream big. And dream big and get out of the, oh, I could never. Yeah. Get out, get out of that, all that, you know, the daily demon stuff that I yeah. call the daily demons. Coming. Get out of, I could never, who am I to think that I could ever do? Yeah. Well, I'm going to tell you who you are and, you know, and we're going to, you know, we're going to mm-hmm. cheerlead your way all the way to success. And my book is going to help you do that too. Yep, exactly. And it's like you said, you know, when you were talking about like that clarity, knowing what you want is more important than yeah. knowing how to get it. You'll figure out how, yeah. if you know what you want and why you want it. Yeah. And so I love that exactly. about what you share. All right, cool. So let's mm-hmm. move on to the next topic because one of the things, I mean, to make, to, to successfully go through so many reinventions and, and no doubt there were failures along the way and then recoveries and all of that, but to go through such a journey to reinvention, there mm-hmm. is a, there, there's gotta be like some themes, some patterns. And one of the ones we talked about was the role of your personal and or professional brand, you know, but yeah. your brand essentially, and the role that it played for you as you navigated all of these different stops along the journey. Can you tell us about having like, you know, well, tell us about your personal brand and how you developed it along your journey. And then from there, let's go into how you could help others, you know, uh, listening in, start building theirs or working towards theirs, because you you shared something really powerful with me. You're like, look, you, you can't make this many pivots without a personal brand. A personal brand is what powers you through these pivots. 
Uh, so yeah, yeah. And well, it's what you take with you wherever you go. Exactly. You know, it's what you take with you wherever you go. And um, and I think the, one of the most important things that I could really offer here is your personal brand is really the authentic you. And if and P and I we hear about authenticity a lot. It's, the word has been overused, but honestly, I just bring who I am. And 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 I. And I like to think that there are certain things that when you're talking to me, dealing with me, working with me and whatever else, one of the things that has always come up, you know, with all the, I love personal assessments. When anybody has ever done the personal assessment for me or on me, it always comes, integrity is always the number one for me, which I love. Because, uh, you know, if you remember, I, I, when I talk in the book, I talk about, you know, the, um, the va your value systems, right? And so for me, I'd say I take the high road, which is honesty, integrity, gratitude, and honor. And so that's really, was really cool when I, you know, when people go, Clarissa, you live in such integrity. And it's not always easy and it doesn't make me the most popular kid in you know, it on the playground. It just, you know, it doesn't, people don't want to deal with that a lot of times because it, it puts you in a position to be a, a little bit of a leader. And it also puts you in a position to be maybe a little bit tougher than others. Cause you're not going to accept mediocre. And so, and you're not going to accept lies and cheating and stealing and, 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 you know, being inauthentic, it's just not going to be a part of your life. And so I think people think that I'm really tough when it comes to that sort of thing. It comes to mind um, when I was on Survivor. Okay. And I don't know if I told you the story or not about the helicopter. Anyway, we're no, out in one no. day. Real we're out one day real quick. Uh, I'll tell you. And so we're out one day and one of the exercises we had to go to was in a helicopter and they were taking us somewhere. Okay, great. So we get in a helicopter and the two beautiful bikini babes are sitting in the back. Well, the guy that's the piloting the helicopter, they get out and they go, Hey, Mr. We're in Nicaragua. And so we're all speaking Italian. So he understands what we mean. We're starving. We've been on, you know, weeks and weeks on this Island now. And so they, you know, with their real pretty cute little ways and they're lovely girls. I love them to death. And they're like, could you please get us something to eat? We're so hungry. We're so hungry. So this guy's like, yeah, baby, I'm happy to, you know? So he goes over to a little kiosk and comes back with all kinds of junk in a brown paper bag. I mean, junk food, you know, in a brown paper bag. And he hands it to them and they tap me on the shoulder and they they wanted to proffer some of the food. And I went, oh, oh, no, thanks. No, thank you. First of all, it was the honest thing to do. Second of all, it was my, it was a part of, it was an honor thing for me yeah. because it was against the rules. It would have been dishonest. It would have been unfair. It wasn't fair to everyone else that was playing the same game that wasn't, you know, yeah. they didn't have food. And what it did was put a separation between me and them now. Yeah. So first of all, I think they were afraid I was going to tell the production. Of course, I would never do anything like that. But what it did was it put them in an embarrassed state. Mm -hmm. So I became the bad guy. It's funny how people will do that. So be really careful and really mindful. And they treated me differently after that. You know, I was no longer, you know, Aunt Clarissa, because I was everybody's aunt, you know, no, no longer. I was, you know, wow. Okay. Because, because it was almost like a mini call out. That's your brand. Who are you on a 24 seven basis? Who are you and what's your brand when nobody else is looking? Who are you and what's your brand when you have no accountability partners? Who are you when, um, how, who are, you know, when you go out to, I'm sure you've been out to dinner with people and they treat the staff poorly, you know, who, who are you that person, you know? And the other thing I wanted to tell you is how do you treat people that can't do anything for you? 
Mm-hmm. How do you treat those people? So this is the honesty, the integrity, the gra- gratitude yeah. and honor. Gratitude's easy because I could be here all day telling you what I'm, I'm thankful for. Mm-hmm. How do you treat people? You know, they can't do anything for you. Who are you with those people, right? Yeah. So look, this goes really wide and really deep. As I said, self-esteem, people just think it's this poo-poo thing and it's this, you know, 60s catchphrase and doesn't matter. And it's everything you are. It's everything you present. And it's exactly, it's the, it's another huge brand piece. You know, people, if you, if you come to people know you at first, are you a lady? Are you a class act? You know, do you borrow a cup of sugar and give back a bag? Mm-hmm. Do you borrow two eggs and give back a dozen? Mm-hmm. You know, doing the right things. And manners are always, you know, right at the top of the list. And it's, it's again, like you said before, what, what, when we had our pre-call and it was, you know, I could be here all day talking about my accolades and okay, that's nice, whatever. So people, people will, will, you know, they'll remember you for, you know, your accolades and what, but they're really going to remember you for how you made them feel. Mm -hmm. How did you make them feel? And that, if you can, if you can wrap that all into like a super duper brand, be a leader, be strong, be be a, a tenacious, and be super clean mm-hmm. at the same time. You know, yeah. um, not many people out there like that. And I, that's a hill I'm going to die on. Mm-hmm. No, I love it. You know, one of the things I'm hearing is be consistent. Be consistent. Mm-hmm. Like it, it, yeah. whoever you are, just be consistently you. Anywhere and everywhere. And to your point, even if no one's watching, be consistently you. Absolutely. And, and, you know, you shared a really interesting, you know, taking the high road, you know, when you talked about honesty, integrity, gratitude, and honor. And I feel like this applies to any other attribute or aspect of your yes. brand, whatever that might be. I remember there was yes. a time in, uh, in my journey where I was sharing a, and, and just to show like the power of consistency, like in what you're sharing here, but I used to post a picture of my coffee cup from Starbucks because they'd write my name really interesting all these times, like with a lot of art and different things and all of that. And they knew me really well there. So I would always yeah. take a picture of it, post it, tag the baristas and mention Starbucks. Like, oh, I love the team here. Everybody's great. Awesome service, blah, blah, blah. Always do that. I did that for probably the better part of a year. And then the Starbucks brand uh, account, uh, DMs me and they DM me with an invitation to a special event that they're hosting in the city and they have a few seats and they want to. And I just thought to myself, that was a lesson in branding for myself like that. That showed that whatever I do consistently becomes a part of who I am. And of course, so many friends, when they think of Starbucks back then, they thought of me, you know, and I would get these random text messages. But I think for anybody listening, what are those things you do consistently? And then because we know, like, as you shared, whatever you do consistently becomes your brand. That's what you wrap up into. It's also a matter of how you made them feel. Yep. Yep. You made them feel recognized, recognized, appreciated. That's how you made them feel. You know, the baristas and of course, you know, by default also Starbucks, but baristas, you know, first and foremost. That's a great point because that was like kind of like the underlying like thread or like, you know, that that was uh, that went through all of those things. So really important things that you've shared here about the about your personal brand. So let me ask you a question for, you know, something that will help the audience maybe put this into practice even sooner. Like what are some of the daily things you do? to build your brand, you know, uh, in other ways, you know, beyond besides like, let's say the, the things, your behaviors and right. You're like the high right. road, 
what are some other you know strategies that you put into place that ensure that people get to know who you are authentically and and maybe some of those daily things we could put into practice yeah so i like to uh, you know here i'm going to recall the four pillars of self-esteem which are look good feel good be good and greater good so look good you know i'll get up and i'll you know i'll do my walk and i go out you know and i'm waving everybody every car that goes by i wave and i think to myself you know and i live in a you know a real uh rural area so you know the cars are going by the trucks are going by everybody's i'm out there at five in the morning so you know whatever and i think to myself they either they think i'm nuts or you know because it's kind of old school, if you will, to wave to every car that goes by. And sometimes you'll have, you know, the guys, he'll just go like this, you know, he just gives you the two finger thing as he's driving along, which is great. But what for me, it really is just like this, it's this exchange of kindness, mm-hmm. this exchange of, I see you and hey, have a great day kind of thing. And, and yeah. it's silly little things like that. But it's it's also in this crazy world that we're living in, you know, uh, everything is difficult. Everything is heavy. Everything is scary. Everything is, you know, people are worried and it's politics and it's the economy and all of that. And the division. I don't know how that guy votes. I don't care how that guy votes. It's not that's not what it's. It's about, hey, man, have a great day. Every car that goes by. So I try to integrate, you know, those things of every, every woman, every, everybody, I pass people, you know, walking their dogs in as well. Everybody gets a hello, you know, but at the same time, I'm working on the look good portion, which is, you know, take, feel good, taking diet, exercise, nutrition. And then, you know, another really important part for me is the, you know, greater good portion, which is, you know, tithing, paying it forward, giving back, whatever, any way I can, you don't have to have millions of dollars and open up charities and foundations. Sometimes it's as simple as holding the elevator door open for somebody. It's an act of kindness, right? Helping a woman down the stairs with a baby carriage, standing up for, you know, the elderly or a pregnant woman on public transportation, the things we used to do that were known as manners. And because we did them because it was the right thing to do. So as you're going about your day, and as I go about my day, I often wonder what, I often think to myself, you know, what would be the right thing to do? I was listening to another thing on TikTok today. And at the moral of the story there was the, the man that finally said, he said, you know, the whole time I was interacting with that gentleman, I envisioned Jesus standing next to me. And this isn't about being religious. This is about, you know, the higher powers. Who is it that keeps you in alignment when you could have been triggered? You could have been pissed off. You could have yelled, could have potentially gotten into a fight. You, you know, you could have kicked this guy out of your shop, like all that stuff. But he handled it with a plum and he handled it with with ease, grace and glory. And I would say with a touch of class, because he imagined what was the right thing to do? Who would he be accountable to in this interaction? And if we can be mindful of that, Roger, and pretty much anything we do, you know, I bring the high road to everything I do. I bring it to my meetings, to my relationships, to, you know, my mom, when I sit, like I, all of that, I try to make sure that, uh, and again, I'm, I'm a human and I'm imperfect and I slip up and, and I'm not always on, on point, but I really work to be a better person more than I am today. I love that. And I think that helps, you know, us like just see how these these are the everyday ways that, you know, and I love that simple example, just even waving hi to people. I mean, if that's who you are, then freaking wave hi to everybody, you know, like, just like, just do that. Enjoy it. Regardless to your, to your point, regardless of the response, like you said, sometimes you just get the two fingers (laughs) kind of thing there. 
Yeah, I know you get the two. Well, the guy, you know, he, that's the guy in the pickup. I'm in the Southwest, you know, in Phoenix. And so that's the guy in the, you know, the pickup. Those are the Ford F 150s, uh, you know, you get. But it, I got some knowledge, but you know. Hey, but I, uh, I he's love being authentic. Love he's being authentically him. Yep, that's exactly right. And I wouldn't ask for any more. It's just, it's just a quick, hey, you yeah. know, have a nice day. I see you. I, you know, have a nice day, you know, whatever, whatever it is, you know, yeah. but, um, that's that's kind of that's kind of the way I roll throughout my day. So when you yeah. say you know those four pillars of self esteem: look yeah. good, feel good, be good. Be good as your relationship, mm-hmm. leadership, your finances, your business, being really good, learning your education. You know, the, I'm constantly doing courses and classes, and and that's another thing that you want to do a for your brand and b to level up is to make sure that you know you are a, a, on the you know the crest of the wave when it comes to. AI right now, for example, everybody's scrambling to understand what's the best AI? What can we, how do we learn AI? What can it do? What can it not do? You know, and I think in a few years, we're going to be a little more worried about it than we are today, but that's another, that's, t- you know, fodder mm. for another podcast. Yeah. So, you know, let, let's move into the next topic. I want to, I want to hear about your book journey. You know, there's so many ways to bring a book to life. And I know that a lot of listeners are thinking about their book and it's always great and so i love it because i've been blessed to have many authors on the show share their different ways of bringing a book to life tell us about your journey uh we want to hear about your journey like even tell us about how the idea developed you kind of gave us a little bit of that throughout some of your stories but let's focus in on just that part of your journey so that we can learn how you did that it's a book that i wanted to write forever and i wanted to write this book forever because as a young girl i started you know a very young to understand the familiar tribe, if you will, you know, your family. And, and one of the things that my mom used to say all the time was, Oh, don't take my picture. I look horrible. I come out terrible in pictures. And my mother was always really worried about weight, a couple of pounds extra. Oh boy. You know, that was not a good thing. My mom's crowning moment was to, (laughs) to be able to say that she came out of the hospital when she had me, she came out of the hospital wearing the same jeans that she wore before she got pregnant because all she did was eat jello with me for um, eight months. So she was really worried about these kinds of things. It was the kinds of things that were important to her. And so I figured that I'd start kind of showing people. I think my mother was a beautiful woman. Yeah. And all so my perception of my mother, right, as a beautiful woman was, well, gee, mom, what I see you is so, you know, my perception of you is so different than, then, okay, I'm a five-year-old girl. I'm scratching my head and I'm going, okay. But again, here's her high school picture. Just a beautiful, beautiful girl. Then my grandmother decides one day that she's going to, she's got to lose weight. Didn't have to lose an ounce, Roger. She didn't have to lose an ounce. Got to lose weight. So she has to lose weight. She takes two uh, diet pills. She chokes on them. It, so, it, it perforates her esophagus and winds up six weeks in the hospital. And I'm kind of thinking, wow. well, that's an interesting thing. You know, why are we doing this? This is my grandma way back in the day, by the way. So another really, really pretty lady. And I'm wondering why these women in my life that I I look up to, because my perception of them is so much different. And they are constantly downgrading themselves, degrading themselves, finding things about themselves that, well, you know, just didn't work. Fast forward to, you know, the modeling uh, industry where I'm working with the top 1% of the models, 1% models. I mean, women all over the world, girls that were absolutely stunning. And it was clear to me, now, this is not every model, but some of the girls were in toxic relationships. They were, you know, either drinking, doing drugs, maybe some anorexia and bulimia. Like there was a lot of stuff going on. I said toxic relationships. And again, I'm looking at these beautiful creatures and going, my goodness, so many women around the world would love to be in your, you know, in your shoes. Why are you not seeing what I see? 
I see you as something. So, so that was the catalyst of, of really where I started to say, I've got to write this book. And when Gary came to me after I was on stage, Gary Krebs, the co-writer of the book, came to me and said, I want to write your book. I went, okay, this is what we're doing. Because there's there's, there's a connection between my mother in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, and the girls on the other side of the world on the, you know, the, the, the runways, the most important runways in the world. There's a link here. And it's, you know, it was lack of happy, healthy self-esteem. So again, not everybody, but, you know, I don't know that there are, there's anybody in this world that hasn't gone through some, you know, something in their life that has kind of made them feel, you know, that way. So, so I, you know, complete opposite of my mother. I love the stage. I love the microphone. I love the camera. And I turned that into a core business for a very long time. (laughs) So, you know, again, I, the, I think the message there is when I remember when I told we were talking about the familiar tribe and what we mm-hmm. learned from them. What can you unlearn? What do you need to unlearn? What is it that you, you know, you don't want to bring with you because it won't serve you? So that's important, too. Absolutely. Tell us a little bit about how how you develop some of the ideas in the book. You know, so one of the things, of course, is, you know, you you. You took an idea that had been building up in you for some time, but then yeah. you exploded it into practical strategies. And like you said, it's more of a resource than a read. Yes. And so, yeah. you know, how, how did you go about building that out? Because I know that some people right. think to themselves, I feel like I have an idea for a book, but I don't know how to blow it up into something that someone could yeah. use. Well, first of all, I wanted to find a, a hook. And Regime, by the way, is an organized way of doing things. And I wanted it to be and organized almost as it says an action plan. The idea that it it, it rhymed with regime with esteem, esteem regime. And I knew, boom, that was it. Then I said, every chapter is going to begin with a reword, a little bit of a hook there. So find some, you know, fun, cool ways. And then of course, it's an action plan for becoming the confident person you were meant to be. But also, you know, it was really, really important that, you know, that it had that kind of like kitschy, catchy. And, and I, the cover of the book also, by the way, is blue because I wanted men to pick it up because again, self-esteem doesn't discriminate. But I wanted to read you something that I don't know if I read you last time, and it's really, really important to know. And that is the reason for who, what would you write this book? Who would you write the book for? Mm-hmm. I'd like to acknowledge the millions of people all over the world who have been abandoned, abused, beaten, hit, struck, oppressed, depressed, distressed, held back, lied to, cheated on, lost, betrayed, deceived, misled, double-crossed, walked out on, stabbed in the back, sold down the river, stolen from... Deserted, discarded, shunned, cast out, dropped, dumped, forgotten, neglected, rejected, and or dejected. You are the sole reason I've written this book. So think about it. It's like, who hasn't been through at least one of those? You know what I mean? So self-esteem, again, being so important. It's if, you're, if, you, if your feet hit the ground in the morning and you're not in check, you're going to have a bad day with yourself or with others, for sure. You must learn to love yourself and you must do this personal development work all the time. Put the, Make the time, put it in your calendar, uh, just like you would any other doctor's appointment or a self-help appointment or your golf lesson or whatever it is. You know, Sundays at eight o'clock, I don't care when, but you must at least a half an hour a week do the work. There are exercises in this book, all kinds of really great things. The book is, again, The Self-Esteem Regime. You can find it in, on Amazon all over the world. You can find it in the in Barnes & Noble, mm-hmm. in Barnes & Noble, which was another crowning moment. Yes, that's right. Among the giants, among the giants. Yes. Yeah. It's on Kindle. It's on Audible. And of course you can buy, you know, the hard copy, which is on, on Amazon as well. So yeah, it's everywhere. It's really awesome. doing well. And, I'm, and it's one, it's just coming up on winning its third award now. So I'm excited. 
Very cool. Congratulations on that. And, and I love it. Thank you so much for sharing that journey of bringing a book like that to life. And, you know, and, and I love how you shared like your strategy for mapping out the chapters. I think that right there that gives you like, okay, now I've got a way I've got buckets. I know what I want to put in this book to help someone. And it's built like a resource guide. Like you said, it's not a read, it's a resource. So for those listening, definitely pick up a copy. And remember, this is not meant to be taken all in one shot. It's meant to be taken as you need it, grab the resources you need and close it, keep it close by. Right. You read it a year from now and get something completely different. Yep. Like you, you'll miss something. You go, oh, I don't remember reading that the first time. And you go, oh, because you weren't ready for that message then. Exactly. You know? So let the universe also do its work, but pick the book up. It's called you know, self-help. It's not shelf help. So mm -hmm. do the work. <laughs> get the book, yes. do the work. <laughs> I love that. That's a great, great point. I love that distinction. It's not shelf help. It's self-help. So I love that. Clarissa, thank you so much for your time. Thank you for your insights. Uh, we really appreciate it. For those of you listening, go into the show notes. You'll find all of her links, links to the book directly, her website, and you'll learn more about Clarissa there. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to this episode of the School of Reinvention podcast. Again, I'm your host, Roger Osorio. If you're ready to start your journey to reinvention and want to walk the path with others, visit www.rogerosorio.com and go to the School of Reinvention to check out for yourself how a community-based coaching platform can help you begin your next reinvention. You can also go to rogerosorio.com to purchase my new book, The Journey to Reinvention, and receive some exciting bonuses. Until next time, make your day great.